Pints with Jack, Season 4, Episode 21. The Screwtape Letters, Letter 12, The Slow Fade. Welcome, everyone. Pints with Jack is your weekly C.S. Lewis podcast where David, Andrew, and I break down and discuss the works of C.S. Lewis. This season, we are eavesdropping on the correspondence of a senior demon, Screwtape, as he explains how to tempt the patient, a human assigned to his nephew, a demon named Wormwood. Each week, we'll be considering a different letter, untwisting Screwtape's hellish logic, and forming a battle plan for our own spiritual lives. And once again, it's been a few weeks since we appeared on the same episode. It's David and I. Indeed. And I was jotting down some of the things that I just wanted to, to say, announcements, and we've got quite a lot this week. Uh, I first of all wanted to congratulate Phil from the Lamppost Listener, who just got married to Sarah Jane, and uh, they spoke about it on a, on a recent episode. And I just wanted to say that I too took a copy of Out of the Silent Planet on my honeymoon. <laughs> so good choice. I also wanted to offer huge thanks to John Marr. He has responded vigorously to my call for other song title suggestions for the coming episodes. He's pretty much gone through the rest of the book and given me two or three suggestions for each. So that's saved me a whole lot of work. So thank you, John. What did you send him? Oh, I've sent him a copy of uh, William O'Flaherty's book. Well done. And I also wanted to point out that our show notes currently reside on my blog. So that's restlesspilgrim.net. We had a message from Gregory Graham who said that he just discovered them and he said, they're really great. Why don't you talk about them more? Uh, Most podcast apps will link to them directly if you just tap on the title, but it turns out that the Apple podcast app doesn't. Matt and I have been talking about our website more generally, and we're going to do a bunch of restructuring probably at the end of this season. And then we'll have some some better integration. We're, we're still kind of running off the initial setup that we started three years ago when we were recording on ironing boards in my room in between dog barking and child crying. Uh, but we'll, we'll try and get all of that cleaned up. So the show notes will be more prominent. But if you're ever looking for them, just go to restlesspilgrim.net and you'll find all of the quotations that we give and links to any of the resources that we mention. The good old days. <laughs> The simple days when nobody <laughs> listened and it was just the two of us. Didn't have to worry about anything. Uh, I also want to give a shout out to the Risking Enchantment podcast because they just had an episode where they were speaking about two books and one of them was Till We Have Faces and they gave us a shout out. And I really really enjoyed their analysis. I'm sure Andrew will be listening to it as well. Uh, so that's Risking Enchantment and this week's episode on Till We Have Faces. Also this week, I have been working through Tolkien and the Great War by John Garth, and I just finished it yesterday. It's a really good book. If anyone is really interested to get into not only Tolkien's involvement in World War I, but also to see how his legendarium developed over the course of the Great War, it's a fantastic book for that. But I I will warn you, I think you really have to have read The Silmarillion, otherwise a lot of it isn't going to make sense. Or at least you'll only get a, a, you'll get less out of the book at least. But I've also been reading Letters to an American Lady. I'm reading a couple of letters each night before I go to bed, and that's been delightful. What about you, Matt? What have you What have you been reading? I'm not sure I'm liking this. What have you been reading section? Because I think we're realizing. Have you been slacking? <laughs> 
You know, I take to heart the slowly, through this podcast, I have developed the beauty and appreciation, respect for reading very slowly and taking things chapter by chapter and letting them digest. So I'm digesting and chewing on and gnawing on still Timothy Keller's The Meaning of Marriage. And I, uh, <laughs> I, I nod on the concepts of was talking about this weekend when I was up at the cabin of love and the willing of love and how very much he brought in a ton of Lewis and actually quoted Lewis pretty significantly on Christian marriage and what it means. And I actually had this great analogy of a balance sheet of assets and liabilities and how we so often approach things like assets and liabilities. What is, and I'll, I'll speak from a male's perspective, what does she bring to me? I know what I bring to her. And then if her revenue starts dipping, I might have to cut expenditures and how much love I give because, it, and that's how it, I know, right? And you're reading this though, and you think that is how a lot of people somewhat think. If you're not receiving a significant amount of love and the person pouring into you, you start to pull back too. When you feel the dip, but the Christian faith obviously calls the opposite. Uh, and anyways, that stuck out too when I was reading it. So I felt like I needed to to make sure it was clear that I am still moving forward with this book <laughs> four weeks later. <laughs> okay, well, well, we'll check in. Next time we record will be our New Year's episode. So I hope to hear some good progress before then. <laughs> at, le at least find a wife, you know, come on, man. That's what I'm trying, man. Before we get started on today's episode, I also want to announce that this Thursday, there's going to be a bonus Christmas episode for our Patreon supporters. We wanted to give you guys a Christmas present. So what we did is we've recorded an episode which will be available on the Patreon website, and I'll also share it on the Slack channel. I would highly recommend if you're not a Patreon supporter and you want to listen to that become one because I just did my reading for it specifically in my commentary. And I'll tell you what, I think I found the best passage of all of Lewis that summarizes theosis, Trinitarian dance, pulsating activity of the, the father, son, and Holy spirit together, getting called up into that divine life. I don't think you're going to want to miss it. And lastly, I heard that Lewis's former secretary, Walter Hooper, he is in declining health. So if you wouldn't mind sparing a prayer for him, it would be much appreciated. Uh, and also, uh, one of our listeners, Evan, and his family, they recently discovered that they've contracted COVID. So if you'd also spare a prayer for them too, that would be, that'd be very much appreciated. And if you're like me and you're assuming when you're listening to this, this will be significantly after the fact of their COVID, realize that God is outside of time. And so your prayers after the fact can still impact. Good call. <laughs> <laughs> but let's get on to the song of the week. As I mentioned earlier, John sent me a whole list of suggestions for the upcoming episodes. Uh, for today, he had suggested So Far Away by Carol King. Uh, but I had chosen today's song long before we even began this season. Uh, the letter that we're reading today is all about how Screwtape wants the patients to drift away from God and be blissfully unaware that it's happening. So therefore, today's song of the week had to be Slow Fade by Casting Crowns. And it's a song that I've referenced many, many times over the course of this podcast. Uh, here's from the chorus. It's a slow fade when you give yourself away. It's a slow fade when black and white are turned to grey and thoughts invade, choices are made. A price will be paid when you give yourself away. People never crumble in a day. It's a slow fade. It's a slow fade. Mm, that's so beautiful, eh? <laughs> never mind, David. <laughs> Was that a joke? <laughs> yeah, I thought you'd get that. 
I said, oh, that's so beautiful. A, after everything was away, gray, paid, away, day, fade. <laughs> clearly, that was terrible. Uh, okay, clearly, well, that's getting cut out. We only have funny jokes on this <laughs> Well, moving on slowly, abruptly to the quote of the week. So the quote of the week is from this letter, and it really summarizes very succinctly what we're going to be talking about. And it's a quote that is very quotable in Lewis in general. The safest road to hell is a gradual one. The gentle slope, soft underfoot, without sudden turnings, without milestones, without signposts. Mm, That's so good. Chilling. Chilling. Now for the drink of the week. For these next... Well, many, many episodes that I'm on, mine will probably be different than the uh, person that is hosting with me. So in this case, David, because I was fortunate enough to get this advent calendar where I get a single pour of 24, I believe, different scotches. And so every time I record, I just open and I'm on number three. And so I'm drinking Green Isle blended scotch. What are you drinking, David? I am finishing the rest of the Macallan 12 sampler. Oh, what do you what do you think? I mean, I haven't asked you now that you're uh Well, let's wait to ask you until after we do this because I want you to have a fresh taste in your mouth when you're telling me what you think. But for this Okay, why don't you tell us about the uh, the Green Isle Scotch first? Yeah, it's it's a blended scotch. So a lot of what you've heard in the beginning of this because we had significant amount of single malt scotches. So this is a blend of various single malts. The color is very classic gold. It's a gold amber. On the nose, it describes it as milky green apples and fruity. And I would absolutely second the green apples and fruity. I have never smelled something with such a strong green apple smell. And there's a reason it's called Green Isle Blended Scotch. Now, I'm going to take a sip. Oh, my goodness. I might highly recommend this. It says soft but not thin. 100% agree. It is not harsh. So if you don't like, if you're new to scotch, you don't want a harsh scotch, I would definitely recommend this. Oily, it's one of like the three scotches, and I believe Koala was one of another one that was very oily. And I like the oiliness on your tongue. And it, it, I would say it's a little thin, which is why I think it's a good starter scotch. It says soft but not thin. I would say it's a little thin. And then finish, definitely medium in length. It sits there with you a little bit. And so... For listeners, if you're looking to get into a scotch and maybe a single malt or a scotch a little bit much, this blended, it's very reasonably priced. I think it's actually quite good because it's not too harsh. I'm always a fan of blends for that reason. And to respond to your question, I, I really like Macallan 12. It, I don't love it like you love it, but <laughs> I think it's definitely a very solid entry. And today in San Diego, it's kind of chilly. And I would definitely say it's a it's a cold weather scotch. Just warms you up from the inside. Oh, that's fantastic. And since we don't have a Patreon toast today, let's just say cheers. Cheers, David. And let's move on straight to the chapter summary. It's letter 12, which was first published in The Guardian on the 18th of July, 1941. And here is my 100 word summary. In today's letter, Scrutate warns Wormwood about moving his patient along too quickly. It is paramount that the patient not realize that he is being slowly drawn away from God. His dim uneasiness must be managed. If too strong, it may lead to repentance. But if too weak, Wormwood will not be able to use uneasiness to dissuade him from seeking real honest contact with God. 
If successfully handled, the patient will not even need real pleasures to tempt him away from virtue, and he can proceed to hell by the soft, safe road. This chapter is going to be difficult because I'm, I'm reading the first note and I'm realizing I had prepped for two other episodes all on the same day. And so I, <laughs> I'm going to be confusing multiple episodes. I have a feeling as we record this, the, the, the problem oh, is this is going to be entertaining. <laughs> I know. I was like, I, I read my first thing I wrote and I go, huh, I thought this was a different one. <laughs> okay. Well, let me remind you how this letter begins. Uh, I think Screwtaper definitely had his coffee the morning that he wrote this letter because he begins by saying that Wormwood is making excellent progress. Screwtape normally isn't quite this positive, but he seems in a really good mood. But he is still a little bit concerned. He writes, My only fear is that lest in attempting to hurry the patient, you awaken him to the sense of his real position. Screwtape wants Wormwood to hurry slowly, as my mother would say, uh, as he journeys towards hell. Screwtape says that they know, all the demons, they know that they've tweaked the patient's direction and this new direction will eventually take him out of God's orbit. But it is absolutely crucial that they keep the patient in the dark about this. He says, he must be made to imagine that all the choices which have affected this change of course are trivial and revocable. He must not be allowed to suspect that he is now, however slowly, heading right away from the sun on a line which will carry him into the cold and dark of utmost space. There's already right from the beginning here, as we tease some stuff out, there is a lot. Like that that first part you read, my only fear is attempting to hurry the patient. You awake him to a sense of his real position. It was making me think of the importance of self-awareness in our own spiritual journey, being aware of where we are, having, whether it's through spiritual direction, through friendships, people that can point out when this fade is happening, uh, as we're going to see in here. And I mean, that's, that's powerful right up front. And then I liked how that, that next part, you hear so much of the heavenly hellish creatures. Like notice how he talks just about a change in direction. So he doesn't say we've gotten them somewhere. He's not rejoicing in his destination. He's already rejoicing the fact that he's, he's changed course in a way that even though on the surface might seem kind of small, the direction, because we talk so much in the screw tape letters about the direction you're going, are you going away from the light or towards the light? And in this case, all they wanted was a tweak and a change. His state might actually be still a similar spot to where he was before, but it's going in the reverse direction. And even most of his habits are still there. And one of the surprising things is that Screwtape says that he's actually glad that the patient is still a churchgoer on Sundays and he still receives Holy Communion. He says that there are dangers in this, absolutely, but this is preferable to him realizing that he's on a new trajectory. You know, we've spoken a lot about habits this season already and about habits form virtue and, well, good habits form virtue and bad habits form vice. Uh, but in this letter, Screwtape, he makes a crucial distinction. Habits are good, but they can remain surface level. Uh, and when this happens, they can greatly hamper the formation of virtue. Screwtape says that as long as he retains externally the habits of a Christian, he can still be made to think of himself as one who has adopted a few new friends and amusements, but whose spiritual state is very much the same as it was six weeks ago. And Screwtape is happy because while the patient is in this state... He says, we do not have to contend with the explicit repentance of a definitive, recognized sin, but only with this vague, though uneasy feeling that he hasn't been doing very well lately. 
And this made me think of actually today, I was listening a second time. Yes, David, I listened to you twice in the same episode uh, with the Callistos Ware interview. And so I would definitely suggest our listeners go back and check that out. I want to say, would you say it was episode 17? That was episode 16. 16. Okay. But anyways, when he was describing Christianity, it's not, he, he says it's not a philosophical framework. It's not a set of teachings. Those are important. Those are part of it. It's not just those things. Yes. Which is why I was saying it's, it's important. They're a part of it, but it's so much more and it's a complete transformation. It's theosis, Christ within us. And the reason I thought of that here was because he's still going through the routines and the rituals. But if the routines and the rituals aren't, they're not bad. I mean, the habits of going to church frequently is a good habit. But if it's not allowing Christ to form within you, if it's not leading to that transformation that's drawing you closer to the light, then they're not working because they aren't the end themselves. It can be used as a mask. I work in software. So the equivalent for me would be, okay, we're not building new features, but look, we've we've written 500 new lines of code today. It doesn't actually allow us to do anything better. We haven't got any of the bugs fixed, but look at all of the stuff that we've done. It can sort of be like that with church going. You know, when you think, oh, I'm not doing very well. Oh, but I'm going to church. It's like, that's good. That's wonderful. That's an opportunity for grace. But you still have to avail yourself to it. It can be used as cover. It can be used as an excuse. People were, were praising Slack because they wrote some new code that changed the emoji, the smiling emoji, so it's not passive-aggressive anymore because people thought it looked passive-aggressive. <laughs> and I remember like, wow, that was a productive week, guys. And it was the most subtle change I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> yeah, somebody's been hitting the eggnog early. Yeah. I do like Lewis's description, though, here of this vague, though uneasy feeling that he hasn't been doing very well lately. Uh, I know that feeling. <laughs> I regularly know that feeling. Uh, as I mentioned at the beginning, I've been reading letters to an American lady. And in one letter that Lewis writes, he says, what the devil loves is that vague cloud of unspecified guilt or feeling or unspecified virtue, which he lures us into despair or presumption. Details, please, is the answer. Basically, Lewis is saying that when we have this uneasy sense he said dig into that work out why and then act upon it so as a catholic i'd say if i'm generally feeling like i haven't been doing very well lately you know get my butt to confession go do a holy hour do something to try and turn the tide back to lay myself open to god's grace uh and to and to have a little bit of time for introspection to see if there's some sin some some influence in my life that perhaps needs to be rooted out and we'll see that either later in this letter or an upcoming letter, because like I said, I went through three today, <laughs> that when we have those feelings in the imagination and we don't actually act on them, it's dangerous. So I like how you said, it doesn't have to be some grand plan. When you're feeling like you're off, don't say, I'm going to commit to praying, and I've done this before and made this mistake, I'm going to commit to praying a 54-day in a rosary novena. It's like, you know what? I've been lifting five-pound weights. I'm not ready to go lift a 25-pound weight, but let me commit to praying a decade a day or something. I like what you just said, or just a simple action. Let me just go to confession or just go to adoration, one single off thing, because the, the power mm -hmm. of that is you are attaching now action to that feeling, and that's all. that, that right there is a win. Even if it's not this big grand thing you're what you're trying to build to, it's the, it's the step in the process. It's those concentric circles again. Yes. Remember, screw tape doesn't want anything to move to the will, to the action. 
Let it stay out in the intellect. Let it stay out in feelings. No more. So I think just the simple action of doing something. We've spoken before about those times when you feel paralyzed, when you're faced with a problem and you don't know what to do. Do something, Mm -hmm. even if it's just a small step towards it. It always tends to be empowering and it starts to help you see the problem more clearly. Well said. Screwtape sees two dangers for Wormwood with regards to managing this uneasiness. Because first of all, there's a danger if it becomes too strong. Because if it comes too strong, he'll realize what's going on and he'll repent. He'll move to action. That's bad as far as Screwtape is concerned. But likewise, if the uneasiness is too weak, Wormwood will lose certain advantages. Screwtape writes, If such a feeling is allowed to live, but not allowed to become irresistible and flower into real repentance, it increases the patient's reluctance to think about the enemy. Basically, if this uneasiness is kept at just the right level, the patient's own uneasiness will be a disincentive for him to actually ever try and get into direct contact with God to pursue a life of holiness. And Screwtape, he said before that humans are always a little reluctant to actually get directly in contact with God. But he says that the patient's current situation makes this reluctance so much more potent. And he gives a wonderful analogy. He says, they hate the very idea that suggests God, just as men in financial embarrassment hate the very sight of a passbook. That's like a a bank book, their, their account status. He will increasingly dislike his religious duties. He will think about them as little as he feels he decently can beforehand and forget about them as soon as possible when they are over. How true is that? When money is tight, when there's a project that's not going well, you don't really want to look at it. You don't really want to tackle it because that's scary. And ironically, that then just makes everything all the worse because you are not paying attention to that your bank balance. You're not paying attention to that project that is probably starting to fail. Yeah, as I was reading this section, the words that kept coming to my mind is it was talking about this perfect balance of uneasiness. And I like to use this word uneasiness, but I think some of us can also relate to guilt or shame. It's like when we feel that we, and I have felt this many times in my spiritual journey, when we don't feel we're doing, we're living up to what we're called to, from spiritual practices to maybe indulging pleasures too much to sins and temptations. They can be in any of those buckets. Screwtape's trying to thread that that needle where we feel enough guilt and shame, where we want to stay away from our Heavenly Father, but we don't st- feel in enough that it also feels it to do it more because guilt and shame begets a lot of those bad behaviors, but not enough that we hit like a rock bottom. Where it's, where it's, we're almost like in The Great Divorce, the man with the lizard. And he's like, ah, you know what? I think I have it though. It's okay. And so you- I can manage I can this. manage this. Or I believe he might even say later in this one, you think it's revocable or you can get out of it. Not realizing you are still mm-hmm. descending slower and slower. And maybe in that moment you are correct, but you don't realize the trajectory. And in that moment, you actually do have to make the decision to- switch the other way and you can at that moment but because of the deception of satan or screw tape you are going to slip to the point where i don't want to ever say you can't because you all you you always can here you you can fall on your knees and hit rock bottom and, and god's grace can help get you out of it but it becomes tougher and tougher and you're going to go through more of your own self-created hell on earth as you descend into that place and you get more resistant to the light uh, to put it back into the fitness analogy, it's say one of your housemates is taking this time during COVID to run every day. 
and you start getting that growing uneasiness that, well, you've mainly just been sitting on the couch eating Cheetos. Mm-hmm. And his his virtue, his desire to come out of the COVID lockdown uh, happier and healthier starts to really annoy you. <laughs> <laughs> and And you don't even want to have to think about it. You know what's beautiful is when you have failed at this and let's use your fitness your fitness one you failed and you really did get to the point where you pretty much lost your exercise and now you know it's a a good six to eight weeks of pain before your body gets used to it again and running or weightlifting becomes easy because that first month to two months is always tough once you've gone through that hit it and then re-gotten out of it I will say this, it is a grace because you don't want to fall back again. So I find myself with fitness, and I think this applies to my spiritual life as well, having gone through that before where I gave it up and have had to come back in the fitness. Sometimes I'll tease that. I actually know intellectually what's that point where I'm still weightlifting rather than three days a week, two days a week, and my diet is going down a little bit and I'm running a little bit less, but I still have enough base that I can always turn it back on. And it's not that hard to turn back on because, but I won't ever let it go to where I don't work out for a month because that's just painful to get out of. It's a bad, it's a bad spot to be in, to be honest. It's dangerous to know where that, that, that line is and balance on it. (laughs) Well, I think that's the entire point of this letter. It's that slow fade. If you're if you're balancing around that that tipping point you're, the entire time, all it takes is a period of inattentiveness, and before you know it, oh, I actually haven't gone to the gym at all this mm-hmm. week, and it just it just snowballs very very quickly. Fine, I won't order that pizza I was going to order tonight from DoorDash. <laughs> <laughs> but to to complete the circle, so to speak, on the fitness analogy, when you decide. When you recognize the state that you're in, when you get on the scales and you realize, oh, that number's higher than it probably should be, the time to begin is then. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean that you then suddenly have to do Ironman training, but it can begin in the smallest of, uh, smallest of habits, be it taking the stairs rather than the elevator, uh, having a salad rather than the hamburger. Because in the same way that vice can build up over time, even from small compromises, so can virtue. And so that's the that's the encouraging news of if you if you are at that point. Whew. Now, in earlier letters, Screwtape spoke about how pleasures put things onto God's playing field, since they all come from him. And Screwtape says that as dull uneasiness becomes more deeply established, wormwood will be able to rely less and less on pleasures as temptations. He says, as the uneasiness and your patient's reluctance to face it cuts him off more and more from all real happiness, and as habit renders the pleasures of vanity and excitement and flippancy at once less pleasant and harder to forego, for that is what habit fortunately does to a pleasure, you'll find that anything or nothing is sufficient to attract his wandering attention. And Screwtape gives a number of examples. He says, you'll be able to make him waste his time not only in conversation that he enjoys with people whom he likes, but in conversation with those with whom he cares nothing for and about subjects that actually bore him. And he says that all of this can just become less and less substantial. He says you can make him do nothing for long periods. You can keep him up late at night, not roistering, but staring at a dead fire in a cold room. And what's the modern version of that? I think that's just scrolling through your Instagram mm-hmm. feed. 
I'm, I'm experiencing that right now. It's dangerous. This is why listeners, you've heard this multiple times before that David just deals with all of it because I just, I have an addictive personality and I just can't do, I can't have social media. I can't have access to it. But in my job, uh, Twitter has been really helpful for news and some incredibly smart investment managers and stuff. And I've learned a lot and it's actually really helped with the investing side. But I also know that I probably still spend five times as much time as I need to get the benefit on it now. And it's becoming really dangerous. And I get now what it talks about of that mindless scroll in your brain, just thinking about it. And it's, I'm like, is there going to be another investment idea I could come across? That's brilliant. Is there another thing that could transform my life? Is there another thing that could, and, and, and my brain just has that in the back of its mind constantly. It is bad. And now it's hard to sit down and enjoy a book and there's plenty of other things. So the struggle is real. <laughs> And it slowly gives you back less and less mm -hmm. the more you get on that treadmill of of your social media feeds. And for Screwtape, this this idea, this exchange of giving the patient fewer and fewer real pleasures, and that, that that's going to be important in a later letter that we're going to talk about. Uh, but giving the patient fewer and fewer real pleasures and taking more and more from them, he says, it's going to culminate in the kind of exchange that he just adores. He says all the healthy and outgoing activities which we want him to avoid can be inhibited and give nothing in return. So that at last he may say, as one of my own patients said on his arrival down here, I now see that I spent most of my life in doing neither what I ought nor what I liked. Wow. You've used the word chilling already. That's the most chilling statement. Could you imagine looking back and realizing you just wasted the three years of your life not experiencing any genuine pleasure because you've been sucked into cheap pleasures? You've been addicted to cheap pleasures? Imagine if you were a healthy eater living this great life and then you know you started with a pizza once every couple of weeks and you're like, and, and there's a there's a, that's a good thing. There's a pleasure in that. That's okay. Um I, pizza's yes. delicious. But then imagine it's um, twice every three weeks, once a week, two times a week, three times a week. And before you know it, it's you're not even enjoying it anymore. It's making you feel crappy. It's not giving you any of the pleasure that it was, but you are addicted to it. You need to keep doing it. And now you can't even experience any joy of food and what really food does when it nourishes you and provides you that energy uh, and that health and well-being that you need. You've just lost it all. Like, just think about that. Whew. And let's transition it from food to something more serious like alcohol. Mm -hmm. If you've ever seen an alcoholic drink, they don't look happy about it. It's just numbing the pain nope. of, of a bottomless desire that is never satisfied. Never drink to be happy. Only drink to be happier. <laughs> Chesterton sort of. Yeah. <laughs> Paul Rudd. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, he is basically a modern day Chesterton. <laughs> I do like him. Screwtape then quotes uh, a collect, which is uh, a prayer from the Book of Common Prayer, uh, which describes as God being the one without whom nothing is strong. Screwtape riffs on this and says that nothing is strong enough to steal away a man's best years, not in sweet sins, but in a dreary flickering of the mind over it knows not what and knows not why in the gratification of curiosities so feeble that the man is only half aware of them a dim labyrinth of reveries that have not even lust or ambition to give them a relish, but which, once chance association has started them, the creature is too weak and fuddled, drugged, to shake off. Screwtape wants the destruction of the patient. He wants him to become 
nothing. He actually almost doesn't even seem to want him to be this a great sinner. He wants to just drain the life out of him. When we read The Great Divorce, that's what we found out hell was. The ghosts that come from hell, they are not substantial. It's only in heaven where things are, are real. Hell is tiny and insignificant. Our Patreon supporters will receive after this episode, the episode 22, in the bonus Christmas special where I do a reading, or we all do a reading. <laughs> Felt like just me because I recorded them individually. But this is, I, I chose the reading I chose, and I'm not going to say much about it here at all, but because I felt like it provided a beautiful why. And I find in life when your why is strong enough, your shoulds become musts. And so often in life, I think you could almost rewrite this chapter is the road to hell is filled with shoulds. I should do this. I should do this. But you don't because they're not a must. And I I feel like if we would just hold up a singular image of what the end of the proper journey towards light is in a singular image of the alternative, which the reason I think of all this much sprint is, is what you just read. That was a pretty depressing image. And we, we, <laughs> we, and we hold them in contrast and together in our minds and every moment we're making a decision and we understand which decisions push us one way or the other way through self-awareness and through knowledge and wisdom, it will make it a lot easier to choose the right decision because your why will be proper. So for you Patreon supporters, get ready for that episode because you'll see what I believe is a Lewis written why, a very beautiful fiction. It's fiction I chose, why. And you recently recorded an episode with Andrew, we called it Friends in Low Places in letter 10, where the patient has new friends and he's slowly being drawn away. And in the Skype session for that episode, I spoke about the word authenticity, mm. to know who you are. When you know who you are and what you are here for, it makes many decisions far easier. Bringing it back to the fitness idea, if I know that I'm going to be running a Spartan race and it's going to be great and I need to beat the guy in accounting who's going to be running with me, foregoing that donut becomes considerably easier because I know the why because I know that there's something greater than this donut. It's rubbing it in his face as I pass the finish line before him. <laughs> and I want to add to that authenticity because it made me think of what I mentioned in the beginning here of that self-awareness. Like authentically knowing who you are sometimes means the good and the bad. And, and I think authentically admitting, this is why I think confession is such a powerful thing when you do it properly and you go to the priest and you name what you're struggling with and without qualifying it, without justifying it, which I do all the time. Uh, it, it helps you recognize where you are on the journey. And when you authentically admit where you are on the journey, not in a state of despair, but just in a statement of fact, can you begin to better make the right decisions and call on God's grace and call on his strength and his armor to get you to that beautiful spot that we all desire to be in? Exactly. Actually, at our church today, we had the reading from Ephesians 6, which was all about the armor of God. Oh. You got to know you're in a battle to put on your armor. But once you've got your armor on, you're very glad that you have it. I love doing Bible studies where you do a chapter a week because I'm doing that. And I went through Ephesians. And now I have a rough sense of all the different chapters of Ephesians. So I know what you're, ta I know what you. you're talking about. <laughs> Screwtape wraps up this letter by anticipating an objection from his nephew. Screwtape says... You will say that these are very small sins, and doubtless, like all young tempters, are, you are anxious to be able to report spectacular wickedness. 
But do remember, the only thing that matters is the extent to which you separate the man from the enemy. It does not matter how small the sins are, provided that their cumulative effect is to edge the man away from the light and out into the nothing. Murder is no better than cards if cards will do the trick. And honestly, this could have very easily have been the quote of the week as far as I'm concerned. I would say, okay, quote of the week. I would say this could be the equivalence of the thy will be done in the great divorce or all men who choose how will receive it from the great divorce. Like this is one of those chapters for this book. So I would argue this is close to kind of the quote of the book. I think the last one we talked about was when the person looks around, he sees nothing and he's obedient to God. But I think this pretty much sums up Mm -hmm. what this book is trying to do all about communion with God. Are you heading towards or away? That simple. Yeah. And it, it also spells out something that we covered in mere Christianity that the, the nature of sins isn't, always as bad as you might expect. Uh, if you remember in book three, Lois talks about uh, the sins of the flesh are bad, but they're the least bad of all mm-hmm. sins. And he says that the worst pleasures are purely spiritual. You know, the pleasure of putting other people in the wrong, bossing and patronizing and spoiling sport and backfighting. He says all of these, they're, 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 they're the diabolical self, not simply the animal self. And it's these sins in particular that Screwtape wants to nurture. Yeah, I will say, as someone who's struggled plenty with sins of the flesh, they do make me, <laughs> God, I can't even say this. <laughs> they do lead to more humility. <laughs> That's why you're so humble, Matt. <laughs> but no, like, it is it is so true. The, the sins of the spirit, pride, when they pit you against each other, mine make me feel, realize how weak and small I am. Not, not me, they're, it's still better to not do them, but at least something good comes out of them. <laughs> Well, they also tend to be more obvious. It's the point that Andrew has made, I think, on every episode that he's been on this season, that Screwtape is very happy to do a sin exchange. He's very happy for you to give up a small sin in order to to gain a greater one. He's very happy for you to grow a little bit of virtue if you grow a lot of vice. And the the thing about some some sins are much more obvious to us, uh, but the the ones that can be really dangerous are the ones that we don't notice. Mm. And, And that really then brings us to the end of this chapter and what was the quote of the week. The safest road to hell is the gradual one, the gentle slope, the soft underfoot without sudden turnings, without milestones, without signposts. When I don't realize how my pride is being built up, because I have put to death all of all of my animalistic sins and my pride then starts to grow, I'm probably in even more danger. Yeah, I'm not in danger of pride right now in life. <laughs> I can say that with confidence. <laughs> well, I'm very proud to say that. Oh, wait. No, that's not going to work. Okay, moving on. <laughs> Unscrewing screw tape. Uh, mine, are, mine are short. <laughs> I'm trying to work with these and keep them uh, smaller. Um, it's related to the self-awareness side of things. If you really think of the big theme of this is that slow fade and not seeing it. And I, I experienced it a lot through the COVID, to be honest, in something that I've, I know I want to do and going to start back up here once we're past this COVID period and things open up a good bit is spiritual direction. Do spiritual direction. I think you know, call up your pastor, priest, whatever denomination you're in. A lot of them have it. There's even spiritual direction websites that will people apply to and will be spiritual directors and you can search them in your area no matter what denomination you are. I think it very helps to stop that slow fade. 
Because if you're meeting with someone even once a month and you're sharing your sins and your struggles and your journey, they will be able to call out and tell you, hey, Matt, you really need to, you're slipping here and this is happening. And if you can't do that and if you're not ready for that, definitely find a spiritual friend who you are very known to. Not everyone needs to know all of you, but some people, someone needs to know all of you. And usually that's like mm. your spouse and stuff. But I think if you have a specific friend that you feel very comfortable, I would definitely strongly suggest that. So do spiritual direction or have a spiritual friend. My related one to that, I this is one that I bring up in most most episodes, do build community. Mm-hmm. It, it's the same idea. When you have people around you supporting you, seeing your life, encouraging you to pursue the good and put away the bad, it is just invaluable. The next one I had was don't stay away from God, particularly when you feel like it. <laughs> you know, Screwtape wants to work this feeling of uneasiness. If you have that feeling of uneasiness, that is an invitation to act, to do something, even if it's just a small thing, to start turning the oil tanker. Yeah, you know, you, you just got to begin with a degree at a time uh, before you can do the full 180. But when you feel like you want to stay away from God, do the opposite unscrew screw tape and turn back to God just with some small action, even if it's just simply saying, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me. I'm going to piggyback off that, David. I didn't write this, so I only had one do and one don't, but I'm going to add one do. Do right now as you're listening to this, commit to one small thing. That simple. As you're listening to this, I'm not kidding. So stop, pause this, think of it and do it. Then you can come back. And related to action, don't be satisfied with those vague feelings of uneasiness. Chase them down. Uh, Matt's mentioned the examination of conscience quite a few times over the course of this season. You can find lots of them online. But if you're feeling unsettled, start trying to chase that down. Try and work out what it might be that the Holy Spirit is prodding you uh, towards starting or stopping. And ultimately, we're going to come back to this idea of pleasures later. Jesus said, I've come that you may have life and have it in abundance. Uh, Screwtape doesn't want that. He wants you to waste your life in every possible way, doing neither what you ought nor what you actually even liked. So live deliberately. <laughs> Way to practically allow me to piggyback my, my one do not. It's, it's inspired by the quote, the unexamined life is not worth living. Do not live in unexamined spirituality. So essentially don't blindly walk through your spiritual life. That means either create silence and solitude, the kind of space to hear God's voice or do an examination of conscience. Like that's all related to that, but try to be self-aware, be honest, be authentic, explore where you're at, allow God to give you the eyes to see you as he sees you, um, the good and the bad, and attempt to then correct it. I think that's good. Now, before we wrap up, I just wanted to say that now is probably your last chance to get some Pints for Jack merchandise before Christmas. And if you're looking for other unique Lewis Christmas gifts, so they're not Pints for Jack inspired, but they are still Lewis inspired, check out Andrew's eBay site. We've talked about it a bit before. It'll be the link in the show notes. He's constantly curating a store of first editions and other really high quality, unique Lewis goodies. And I think there's not much more to say than just to thank our top-tier supporters, Jeff, Chris, John, Kate, and Rowdy, and join us next time when we'll be going further up 
in further in. Cheers. Cheers.